Well, good morning, everybody. If you got your Bibles this morning, I would encourage you to get them open um, to the book of Ecclesiastes, a book that we don't turn to a whole lot. If you're looking for it, it's Psalms right in the middle, most of us know, and then Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And we're going to be this morning starting in chapter 3. I'm Barrett, one of the pastors here, and uh, we are so thankful that you are here with us today uh, here at ICC. We're just a big family of people who are, uh, yeah, in love with Jesus and are united by his love uh, for us. And uh, we are so thankful that you are with us this morning. Um, I have the opportunity this morning to, to teach the only message that I teach every single year. And it's with great joy and with great intentionality that I do sense um, God leading me again to teach this message at this particular time in our church's life and in your life. And um, I'm excited for it. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I'm going to pray again as we continue in our time of worship. Father, we thank you for um, the opportunity we have to draw near to you on this day. You tell us that we should seek you and that we'll find you when we seek you with all of our hearts. Your promise is that when we draw near to you, that you will draw near to us. And Father, drawing near to you is so much more than just being physically in a place identified as a church. It looks like our hearts at this moment really opening ourselves up and desiring you. And God, that is a gift of your grace, and it's a work of your spirit. And so I just pray that you would open our hearts, that we might behold you today for who you are, that we might hear from you, that we might be changed by you, and that we might grow more in your likeness. We thank you for your grace. We acknowledge, God, that all that we have is what we receive from you, and we thank you for your grace and the abundance of it, the sufficiency of it. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit and for your living word. And God, we, we just earnestly seek you today. I can't speak um, into the hearts of people, Lord, you can, and I'm just asking that you would today for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, this morning we are going to be talking about seasons, uh, realizing the potential. Um, we are a transitional people. Anybody in the middle of a transition right now? Huh? Okay. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 uh, this morning, and we're going to start in verse 1 and begin our conversation from God's Word about seasons of life. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, 
a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to the end. Seasons, realizing the potential. I would encourage you, if you have something to take notes this morning, as I always do, because I really believe uh, to really hear the Word of God, it requires meditation on the Word, and that's going to involve you looking back through uh, the Word that we discussed this morning as you continue to meditate on Him all week. We are a transitional people. Did y'all know that? I think it's especially evident here uh, in Memphis, here at ICC, because we live in a community where so many of us um, have just, even our being here reflects a transition. How many people in the room today, if you raise your hand, are not originally from Memphis? <laughs> so who is actually from Memphis? Oh, great. 15. That's wonderful. Um, we love y'all too. Isn't that interesting though? We are here in the city and so many of us, myself included, my wife and I, Michelle, uh, we moved here 10 years ago. This is going on our 11th year in Memphis. Hard to believe for her to begin medical school uh, way back when. Some of y'all have had that journey. Most of us at least have experienced a geographical transition into a new city that we call home now. But it's really so much more than that. Um, transitions happen in a lot of different ways. It's not just geographical moves. It's just life. Life changes. We experience transitions. And the reality is, is that these transitions bring challenges, right? A lot of us have been challenged by transitions in life. Some of us right now feel challenged by some transition in life. But at the same time, these transitions bring unique opportunities, incredibly wonderful opportunities. God works in our lives in unique ways in the midst of these transitions to bring opportunities for Him. And I love that God invites us to consider our life journey in terms of, what's the word? Seasons. And that's the word I'm using this morning. For everything there is a season. And 
I love this because it helps us make sense of the fact that we, have, we feel like all the time we're in the middle of these transitions. And often we go, is, is this just me or is, just, is this just life? And what God helps us to see in his word is that this is life. Life does bring transition. And he describes these transitions, these unique transitions as, as seasons of our life. Unique periods and opportunities for unique things. And um, yeah, it's interesting. If I asked you the question this morning, I really want you to think about something. If I asked you the question this morning, what season are you in? How would you answer it? If we were just one-on-one? Some of you might immediately tell me, oh, I do this, this, and this. And you describe your season by what you're doing. Some of you might say, well, I came here from, and you describe your season as your geographical transition, and I'm here now for. Um, that's all fine. It's a, it's a big part of your season. Some of you might describe, uh, this is a season of parenting, or this is a season of engagement, or of starting a marriage. Others might describe it as a season of loss, because you've recently lost someone or something that has been really dear to you. Some of you might describe it as a season of hope, that you sense God is doing something unique in your heart and really causing you to see vision and to have hope for what he wants to do. Some others might say it's a season of healing. How would you answer the question? I want you to, to really embrace in a very personal way this morning that you are in the middle of a unique season. You just are. And what we're going to be doing this morning is talking about the season of life that you are in right now. And I want you to know something about God, and I want you to know something about what God is doing in the midst of this season that you're in so that you might continue to have great hope and relationship with him. So, if you've got your Bibles, I know you're open to Ecclesiastes 3. I want you to turn back two chapters to the book of Psalms. I want us to look this morning at Psalm chapter 34. I love the Bible um, because it is so helpful as we pursue relationship with God. I love the Bible because in the Bible we have um, not just God's instruction, but we also have incredible examples of people who are pretty normal that we can relate to, uh, people who have experienced life as humans <laughs> and who just get it, like they get us, um, they're just like us, and yet they, they pursue God wholeheartedly in the midst of what we experience in real life. One of those things is the experience of seasons, and one of those examples that I love is David. I don't know if you've ever heard of David, but David is known in the Bible as a man after God's heart, and David is, um, yeah, if you just look, like even just historically at his life, like if you just look at the book of Samuel, you will see David has a ton of transitions in his life. He has highs and he has lows, and he experiences almost the full gamut of what you could imagine would be just the craziness of lots of change in life. 
And yet through it all, David earnestly uh, has a heart for God. This morning, I want to read Psalm chapter 34, and I want to look at it because there are three things that I want to pull out from this psalm that help us to make sense of the season that we're in and what it looks like to have a heart for God in this season. Starting in verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, and listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. He keeps all of his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned, but the Lord redeems the life of his servants." None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. This is the heart of God and the heart of David, who in the middle of his transition is seeking God. I want to point out three things this morning about your current season and how God wants you to know him in the midst of your season that season that you're thinking about when I said, what season are you in? Number one, God is faithful in every season of life. God is faithful in every season of life. 
Great is thy faithfulness. Y'all know the song? I won't sing it because that would not do you good. This is what we're talking about, though. Look at how David opens this psalm, verses 1 to 3. What's he do? First things out of his heart, out of his mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise from my heart and from my mouth, it will continually be from my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's make a lot of noise to the Lord because he's the best. Let us exalt his name together. What is he filled with here? He is in the midst of his season. And man, David is going through a lot. You can read the rest of the psalm and tell. But in the midst of the, the change and the craziness and the hurt of his season or his confusion even, where is his focus? It's not immediately on his circumstance. His, he's lifted his perspective above his present circumstance to God. And he's found in God a reason for continual praise. He's saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. In other words, the character of God does not change from, se- from my season to another season. In every single season that I find myself in, I can bless God at all times because He does not change. He's lifting his perspective from what's right in front of him to the God who loves him through it all. And he is saying, oh man, if there's anything that's going to animate my heart, if I'm going to boast in anything, it's not going to be this this present season or circumstance that I'm in. My heart is going to stay fixed on God. And I will find a reason to praise because my focus is not circumstance. It's on the character, the unchanging character of God. You see? Now, this is echoed all throughout the Bible. Lamentations chapter 3, for instance. Um, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The steadfast love, how is his love? His love is steadfast. It's always there. You can always depend upon it. It never ceases. Oh, friends, there's going to be a time in your life when you're going to experience change in circumstance. Your current season might cease Your current relationships might end. Your current job or school season might just go away. Your health could change. But I will tell you one thing that will never change, and that is God's love for you. His love never ceases. It says His mercies are, they never come to an end. 
You might experience some things in life that come to an end, friends, but I'm telling you, you got to put your hope in something bigger than circumstance. Put your hope in the mercy of God because His mercy will never, ever disappoint you. They will never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, we get that song from the Bible. Great is your faithfulness. What an incredible hope for us and reminder to us. Joshua chapter 23, verse 14. He says, toward the end of his life here, he's speaking to the people, and he says, I'm I'm about to go the way of all the earth. In other words, I'm soon to die. And, And you know in your hearts, all of you, that not one word has failed of all of the good things that the Lord, your God, has promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. In other words, what he's saying is, guys, I'm about to die, and you're about to transition into a new season, but I want to remind you, as you transition into a new season, your God is a faithful God. Your God is a promise-keeping God. He not only makes promises, but he keeps them. And as you go into this next season, I want you to remain steadfast in your hope in the Lord because His words do not fail, because He does not fail. In the book of Corinthians, it describes this as Paul writes to the church of Corinth. He says, all of the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. If if you're going to find stability in this season, I'm telling you, you're going to find it in God, not circumstance. And you're going to find it in his promise. He is faithful. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 describes that if we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself, which is very encouraging for seasons of doubt or discouragement or seasons where you just feel like you're just struggling to believe. Because I want to tell you, friends, that our hope Our hope is is not in how much faith we have. Our hope is in Christ, and Christ is faithful. He is faithful. So in every season, you can know he cannot deny himself. And if you are in him and he is in you, he is faithful. That's why in Psalm chapter 18, verses 1 to 3, he says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Why? The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. What do you hear the psalmist describing? Where does the psalmist find security? Where does he find stability? Where does he find safety? Where does he find that unchanging bedrock to which he can build his life upon? He finds it in God. I love you, O Lord. The Lord is my rock. 
He's the one that never changes. He's my shield, my protector, my constant. He is faithful. And he goes to God to find a God his stability. Philippians chapter 4. I'll stop with this one on this point because I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but I'm, I'm trying to just remind you uh, the word of God and the example of those who have gone before us so that we can have hope in this present season. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13, he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul's saying, I've matured to this point in life where I used to be tossed and turned by all these other things. The changes of life and the changes of circumstance, but I have learned the secret. The secret of being constant and content, no matter the season. And the secret is in recognizing the constancy of the strength and the presence of Christ with me. He is faithful. So bring it on, whatever I'm going through. Because I'm not living for the season, I'm living for Christ, and He is faithful. You see? I love that in Hebrews chapter 6, the Bible describes Jesus as a sure and steady anchor for our souls. Because sometimes in life, I know for us, after we got to Memphis, oh man, we've gone through like three at least big transition points, and there have been so many times in life where you just don't know. You don't know what's ahead, and you don't know even tomorrow, much less next year, and it can be, it can rock your world if, if you don't have an anchor in something deeper than your circumstance. But the Bible says is that Jesus has been given to us as an anchor for our souls. In other words, that as we feel like we're in this boat of life and everything is shifting around us, and the storms come, that there's something deeper that's holding us fast. And it's the faithfulness the presence, the grace of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Do you have your heart anchored in Jesus? I want to tell you that in this season, God is faithful. God is faithful in every season of your life, and yes, that means that God is faithful in this season of your life. And what does that mean for us? It means, here's how I would describe it. Worship and rest. Worship and rest. It means that in this season of your life, one you identified at the start, that you need to make this season a season of worship. A season where your perspective on a daily basis is lifted above your circumstance to God, who is your constant, your anchor, your rock, and your refuge. 
And we've, you, you've got to learn to keep your heart hoping in the one who does not change through it all, God himself. And learn what Paul said. We're all learning this. Paul's learning this, the secret of contentment, the constancy of Christ, the sufficiency of his grace. And to just rest, to, to, to let your heart just fall in love with him more and more, and then to just rest in his constancy. It's an opportunity for you right now in this season. The question, whatever your circumstance, will you be content or will you be discontent in God's presence and his promises to you in this season? It's a choice you've got to make. Another way to put it would be, will you worship and rest in God's faithfulness and strength? God is faithful in every season of life, including this one. Number two, God, <clears throat> ooh, excuse me, sounded like I was going through puberty. Number two, not only is God faithful in every season of life, but number two, God wants us to earnestly seek him in every season of life. Now, this is distinct from point number one, and I think it'll be clear as we look back at Psalm 34. Because he says here in the psalm, I, I sought the Lord. So he went from blessing the Lord. Now he's, he's really seeking the Lord. He's pursuing the Lord. And he answered me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces will never be ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and he saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blesses a man who does take refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Those who fear and seek the Lord, it says there in verse 10, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And he says, come and listen to me, and I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. God wants us to earnestly seek him in every season of life. This is distinct um, because of this. Remember Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6? See, there's a choice we have to make. It's one thing to just have your constancy in Christ, but it's another thing to really be hungry to grow in your relationship with Christ. Not just to be fixed and unmoved in who He is and what you already know of Him, but, but to want to know Him more and to prioritize seeking him above all things else in your life. Jesus says to his disciples, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be added to you. And he's talking to them about faith and the basic necessities of life. But it, you could also make the application that in this season, oh, friends, there are so many things 
that you could choose to make your priority. Uh, if you're in school, I mean, I, I just find so often one of the things that I hear um, either explicitly or just kind of subtly discussed is like, and it's all seasons, it's not just students. Um, you know, I, I'm really consumed with school right now, and I, I have to just make incredible, I, I have to give everything I have to this season of school so I can pass, and then when this season passes, I will, I'll be really more serious about growing in my relationship with Christ or, or discovering like what, it, what he really looks like to really live in the full purposes of what he has for me in the church. And, or, or, you know, I'm just so tired. My kid just, you know, I've got a newborn or a two-year-old, and I'm just, like, exhausted. So, like, quiet times, forget about it. I mean, it's just like I do everything I can to just, like, wake up in the morning and get through the day. And, and I, I, there will come a day when they can take care of themselves, and then I can get back to, to really being serious about about seeking and growing my relationship with God. Or, you know, this season, I've just, my, my, my honey bun, I've been waiting for him for, for like years. And now that he's here, I just got to make the most of every time to make sure this relationship is right, blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's suddenly eating away at some of that dedicated time and that heart capacity that you have for really pursuing God. And we've got to be careful as we are in each and every season not to wrongly prioritize the commitments that we make in our lives. Would you agree? Our number one priority has got to be to grow, to grow, to seek first the kingdom of God, to grow in our relationship and our understanding and our experience with God. That's what I believe Jesus is teaching his disciples and us. In other places, like in Jeremiah chapter 29, we know the promise of God, verses 11 to 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And we cling to that, but do do we sense our responsibility and see it after that? Then you'll call upon me, and you'll come, and you'll pray to me, and I'll hear you, and you'll seek me, and you'll find me when you, what? Seek me with all of your, your heart. Philippians chapter 3, we have an example of Paul, verse 7 and 8. Paul, who had so much that he could be consumed by, man of incredible intellect, incredible opportunity, incredible stature in his community, there is so much that he could be consumed by, but he said, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of my surpassing, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. And he's talking about this in terms of his legal standing, his hoping not in his own righteousness, but in Christ's righteousness, but he's also talking about this in terms of his constant pursuit of more of Christ. And he's saying, look, I I believe he was standing here today. He would say, look, if there's anything else that you should pursue in the season of your life, it should be the opportunity to know Christ more. He just longed. He said, I want to know him. I want to share in the fellowship of his sufferings, become like him. He wants to know God more. And he says, if there's anything in this season that you should make sure is not lost, it's the opportunity to grow in your relationship with him. Even in the midst of difficulty, Romans chapter 5, sometimes we think 
that we, we are so ready to be done. Anybody, when you're in the middle of hard seasons, you're just ready to be done? <laughs> you're like, I'm over it already. And we start eyeing the exit door. And because we start eyeing the exit door, we miss sometimes the present opportunity in the midst of the unique season of tension or difficulty or loss that we're in, the opportunity to know God more. And in Romans 5, we read, he says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. What? You rejoice in suffering seasons? Yeah, knowing suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. It does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts, the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. In other words, what he's saying is, even in the midst of seasons where you just feel crushed on every side and you would describe it as suffering, there is an opportunity in the midst of that brokenness to give your whole heart to God and let him pour his hope in you because of the love that he has for you and to experience his present fellowship in the midst of your suffering in a way that you wouldn't if you weren't in the middle of what you're going through right now. A unique opportunity to earnestly seek him in every season of life. Joshua says the same thing in chapter 24, verse 14. He goes, you know what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In other words, for me, the choice I have to make on a daily basis, I am going to pursue a growing relationship with God. I n- never forget uh, when I first met Michelle, we were in Charleston, South Carolina. This was about 15 years ago. I had significantly less gray hair. Um, she looked exactly the same as she does now, beautiful, stunning, gorgeous, you know. But um, I'll never forget, we were staffers together at a Christian camp called Mission Fuge. Y'all ever heard of Mission Fuge? We were those dorky camp staffers. We were welcoming youth, and we were awesome, and we were so excited, and um, uh, that's how we first met. And at staff orientation, um, we all sat around in a big circle, and every day of orientation week, they had different people share their testimonies, their stories, so we could get to know the people we were serving with that summer. And in, you know, I, all I knew of Michelle at that point was she was this sweet, short little girl from Yazoo City, Mississippi. She had this southern drawl that was just such, so charming, and she's lost a lot of it, but not the charming part, but the southern draw. <laughs> I gotta be careful. And I'll never forget the day she went to share her testimony because she stood up in the group and she said, um, I, just, I would like to share my story through uh, the names of God. She said, because as I think back about my story, she said, I feel like I can best understand my story by the ways I encountered God in each of the seasons of my life. And she went through to describe how she had met God in the season as her shepherd and God as her Jehovah Jireh and her provider and in this other season how she of hurt and pain she saw God as her El Roi, the one who sees her and meets her in that. And I sat there flabbergasted because I never heard anybody describe their story like that, and I also felt so stinking shallow, because I thought, oh my goodness, I think my testimony, the only thing I can say is like it's just a set of facts, like I was born in this hospital, and I grew up, and I did this, and I did that, and I did that, I did that, and now I'm here, and that was about as deep as I was, (laughs) and here 
Michelle was connecting the unique seasons of her life with how God showed himself to her in special ways in each of those special seasons. And she was saying, I wouldn't have known God as that if I had not experienced this. And in every one of these experiences, there was a unique opportunity to know God in a deeper way. And I went, wow. Because I believe that is what the Bible is teaching us. That there is a unique opportunity in this present moment to experience God and to grow in Him that you would not have if it were not for this present moment. You have an opportunity to earnestly seek Him and to discover more of Him because of the things you're going through right now. And you're not going to get this opportunity again. This is a unique time, and you have a unique opportunity to seek Him with your whole heart and to know Him. When you seek Him, you will find Him. And what a joy to find God in new and deeper ways in each season of our life. Amen? So, the question. Will, well, let me tell you the action point. I told you the last one uh, was worship. The action point for this one is to find purpose. Okay? Find purpose. Purpose that's bigger than I need to make an A on the next test. Okay? I want you to make an A on the next test. Purpose is bigger than raising your kid right. I want you to raise your kid right, or just getting through this difficult moment. Purpose that transcends those things. May you see the present opportunities. Yes, I want those things for you, and I believe God wants those good things for you, but I believe what God wants more is through those things for you to discover more of who He is. Purpose. So the question, will you resist or embrace that this season is a season that God has appointed for you to seek Him wholeheartedly. I know some of us are going to get out of this, and we're going we're gonna to find that our flesh resists this. We will make excuses for all the reasons why this is not the best season to prioritize growth and relationship with Him. But I'm inviting you, and God is inviting you this morning, pleading with you to embrace that there's something bigger going on. Let me tell you this. God is more concerned for who you are than for what you do. God is more concerned for who you are than for what you do. In the grand scheme of things, who you are becoming in relationship with Him is far more important than what you are preparing to do. And if you cannot see that, you need to ask God to open your eyes to see that, or else you're going to be living in this, this rat race that our culture and our world puts upon us. It's all about the stuff that we do, preparation, and all, blah, 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 blah. and it's not bad stuff, but it's not ultimate stuff. The ultimate stuff is who you're becoming in the midst of it all. And you can only become who you're meant to be in direct relation to how you're growing in your relationship with God. That's why I'm saying embrace this. Will you make the daily choice to seek God 
in this season, and it is a daily choice. Number three, as we wrap up this morning, not only is God faithful in every season of your life, not only does he want you to earnestly seek him in every season of your life, but third, he wants you to know that he is in control in every season of your life. He is in control. Psalm 34, if you go back to it, verse 15 and 16, it says, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and he hears their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. This is a God who's in charge. He sees, he hears, he works with power, even against the strongest adversaries. He is protecting his people. When the righteous cry for help, verse 17, the Lord hears and he delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. This is a strong, powerful, and sovereign God that David knows. He keeps all of his bones. Not one of them is broken. Oh, affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned, but the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None who take refuge in him will be condemned. This is a God who has the final say. This is a God who no matter what you face in your circumstance, even if people destroy your body, he is powerful enough to keep your soul. In this season of your life, you have a God who is sovereign over it and is working with his great power and his heart of great love for your good. I love it. If you go back to Ecclesiastes and you read verse 11, what you see is, it says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. In other words, as we think about all these times and transitions and seasons, what we see is, that God is the one who is working in the midst of it all. And he's working to make things beautiful in their time. He's in control. Daniel very much speaks to this directly in chapter 2, verse 21, when he says he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings and he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Who is the one doing all of these things? Oh, you thought you came to Memphis because you got such good store scores to get into this school. You thought you were in control of that decision. Wrong. I mean, you got to, to be involved, but God is at work in all of this. In the midst of whatever we're facing, there's this wonderful opportunity to see that our God can be trusted because he's big and powerful and sovereign, and he's at work right now making this season beautiful uh, in, in its time. Job chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, he describes, who among all of these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? His hand is in the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. The hand of the, the Lord is involved in your life. Do you not know? Romans chapter 11, verse 36. 
For from him, as Paul gets to the end of the complexities of God's sovereignty, he throws his hands up in worship and he says, for from him and through him and to him are all things, and to him be the glory forever. Amen. What I'm trying to say here, again the point, is God is in control of every season of life, which means that right now God is in control of this season of life. And that means that you can trust that no matter what season you're in, God has sovereignly ordained that we be in it. He wants you to know that he has his hands on you right now, that we are completely his, that we are where he wants us to be. He's brought us to this point. He is sovereign. And we can release ourselves. I'll never forget when we first moved to Memphis. Ooh, I was like so frustrated to be here. Is anybody else frustrated? You don't have to admit it. I was like a city slicker from Atlanta, man, and I thought Atlanta was the coolest. Coming to Memphis? Are you kidding me? You heard the rap song, like, hide your kids, hide your wife? It's like the armpit of Tennessee. Nobody ever was like, Memphis? You got to move to Memphis? That stinks. I mean, why were we in Memphis? We had applied to other opportunities around, and why were Michelle and I moving to Memphis? And for about seven months, I was a bitter, frustrated man. I was fighting. I didn't like it. I didn't like the way people dressed here. I didn't like people acted here. I didn't like the way the neighborhoods were designed here. I mean, I was just like, ugh. And I tried to go home as much as possible and tell everybody about how great Georgia was, which it still is, but it's not as great as I used to think it was. And what I realized, what was happening in my heart was I was fighting. There's this internal tension. And some of us feel that in the midst of the seasons we're in, this internal tension. I don't like this. I don't want to be here. Get me out. But what we're fighting is not the circumstance we're in as much as our God who has put us in the circumstance. And when I began to realize that my fight was really not against Memphis, but it was really a fight of me resisting God and the sovereign hand of God, I began to be broken. And I began to recognize that what I needed more than anything was not for Memphis to change. I needed to change in the middle of Memphis. And I needed to grow in trust and surrender to the sovereign purpose of God. This is what Philippians 4 describes when it says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be worked up over all stuff in this present moment, this present season. But instead, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, will, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus Christ. In other words, it's moving from this place of, ooh, so tight-gripped, and I'm controlling everything. Anybody feel like they have to control their present season for the outcomes that you want? Anybody? Okay, nobody's willing to be honest. Well, that'll be next week's sermon, honesty. Um, <laughs> I'm just playing. Well, we get so worked up and feel like we have to control the outcomes of the present season. We fight against things. We get so worked up. But what God invites us to see is we've got to release. And that's the action point for this third point, is trust. We have to choose to trust God in this season. We have to move from a place of control to a place of surrender. And we have to let go and just say, God, I, I give you this season. I let go. I'm not going to try to figure all this out and be 
the one who's in charge of it all. As my father-in-law says, junior God executive. God doesn't need junior God executives. He is much better at handling your situations than you will ever be. And he's much better working out the outcomes that are in your heart, the desires of your heart, than you will ever be. You've got to choose to surrender. And when I chose to surrender, I'm telling you, everything changed. Because I changed. And I'm telling you, I would not be where I am today if it were not for God bringing us to the armpit of Tennessee. And now, the city that I used to despise, I absolutely love because I know that God has made this season beautiful in its time. Amen? Trust. The question. Do you believe or disbelieve that God is sovereign in this season of your life? And will you trust God with this season? As we close this morning and our worship team comes, I just want to give you the opportunity to respond to God as he's leading. I told you at the beginning that I really do believe that God is at work right now in your life in a unique way. Because you see, God has designed your life to have seasons. It's true for all of us. And the season you're in right now, I'm telling you, there's no accident that you're in the season. No accident. Think back to what you told me in your mind. (laughs) When I asked you the question, what season are you in? And you described it. I'm talking about you in the middle of this season. I believe that this word is for you today. You, You need to hear what God has spoken today. That God is faithful. Oh, he is so faithful. So much has changed. So much might change. But through it all, God himself is meant to be your constant. He's meant to be your anchor. He's meant to be your refuge and your rock. He is faithful. This morning, will you just pray, God, would you lift my perspective from my present circumstance to your unchanging character and make me above all one who worships and rests in you? Second, God wants you to experience him in a unique way that you've never experienced him in this season in your life. I really believe that. And he wants you to earnestly seek him. He wants you to know that more important than what you do is who you're becoming. And he wants you to find purpose, your primary purpose and seeking him to know him more. Would you just pray, oh God, would you make my heart passionate for you and growing in you above all things? And last, God wants you to rest, to rest because he is strong and powerful and good and wise in what he's doing. Don't resist and fight against him and your circumstance. Just trust and release yourself to him. And find that he will give you peace and he will take care of your needs. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word to us today. And we know you're speaking and we know we need it. And God, I just pray right now by your grace and your sovereignty, Lord, would you be good to us and give us your Holy Spirit as we worship together. 
would you open our hearts so that we might repent of sin and that we might put our trust in you, that we might really cry out to you, God, I need to change. You need to change me. Change me to be a worshiper. Give me passion bigger than this present moment. Passion for you. Oh, God, would you help me to release control? Oh, God, I, I need you. Lord, we're seeking you this morning. And I know, God, that as we seek you, we'll find you as we seek you with our heart. Church, let's stand and worship together. If you need to sit and pray, that's fine too. Let's just worship wholeheartedly. If you need to make a decision for Christ, if you want to pray about anything in particular, come. I'm here. Prayer counselors are here. Let's just worship and respond together.